0: Welcome back. I'm Zanati Kouma and you're watching Stockwatch this week and joining us for a review of the week's stock performances and answers to your stock related questions is Roy Mutoni from Sunlum Investments. Do send your questions via SMS to 41392, email uh, stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at Business Day TV using the hashtag Stockwatch. Thank you so much for your time, Roy. Uh, it's Heritage Weekend, uh, but also... I'm sure there will be a lot of brys. Yeah. <laughs> um, Roy, let's actually start off because, I mean, uh, you know, brying and heritage and all of that is, you know, uh, it puts us in a good mood, but I feel like markets aren't really in a good mood. It seems that there's a lot uh-huh. that that is keeping investors awake at this point. And I actually was even mentioning to uh, an economist yesterday that, you know, with the Reserve Bank uh, keeping interest mm-hmm. rates unchanged, it doesn't seem like anything has changed, but he says, wait... Something has changed. The Fed and the Saab are more hawkish. So what have That's, you taken out of, of, of uh, this, this, week's, this week's trading uh, period?
1: So, so the most fascinating thing for me is that none of the, neither of them have changed their story. Mm. Well, all it is is that I think investors are realizing that, that these guys were actually signaling the right thing from the beginning. So if you think about it, the Fed's always said we're aiming for that 2%, the economy is really strong and we'll continue hiking until we get to the 2%. And and one of the things that rolls all of that is that you'd expect as they continue hiking, something breaks um and then that hiking cycle stops because that's the point of hiking, right? You mm. you want you you want to push the economy to a point where um, at least activity declines. But what they've seen is the U.S. economy is relatively strong. Employment is strong and people are earning higher wages. So it's going to be strong for the foreseeable future. So what they've basically said is, yes, we, we, we want rates to remain at this high level. What the market has realized is in all likelihood, this high level remains for a longer time. So if you look at the FRAs and the forecasts and everything, what people have done now is they've reduced the number of rate cuts that they were expecting next year and back and loaded them to 25, late 24, oh. early 25, thereabouts. And in South Africa, the same. And I think it's very good reason for this. You've seen what's happened to the oil price. And it looks like that OPEC Plus isn't absolutely convinced that they want to keep this oil price in that mid-90s to 100 level. That's a massive underpin to to inflation. And, and and a massive um and a massive uh, I would call it um yeah it's it's a massive indicator as to where inflation does go so so the central banks look at it and they say it it, it doesn't make sense to start signaling a peak or a cutting cycle mm-hmm. what it means to, what it makes sense to tell people is rates are high they are contractionary In the U.S., the economy is not evidently responding to this over the short term. So they're going to remain this high for a lot longer than you expect.
0: Yeah, talking about that oil price because I mean we hadn't really mm-hmm. spoken about these kinds of uh, $100 barrel levels in quite a mm-hmm. while because it seemed that the oil price as much as uh, Saudi Arabia and OPEC had tried to cut production mm-hmm. that uh, oil price was just remaining steady between 70 and 80 85 uh, dollars a barrel. Mm-hmm. But now we're actually talking about 100 and I'm sure very soon we're going to start getting forecasts for 120 mm-hmm with the oil price this elevated mm-hmm. is it now the time to go into your players like sassol
1: well Sasol hasn't moved despite the oil price moving all this way and i suppose that's a reflection of what's happening in the chemicals market but i think mm-hmm. just focusing on that oil price um oil is always a balance between supply and demand and and if there's an expectation of higher demand and supply is largely fixed then prices tend to rise. And I think what you've seen up until now was the expectation that demand wouldn't rise so aggressively because China is coming up very slowly and there was this much telegraph recession in the U.S. But the U.S. is not slowing down and China is recovering slowly. So so the demand side of that equation is up but the supply side is remaining stickily down. The, the 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 Saudis are keeping out about a million barrels out of the market, and that's keeping supply quite tight. Mm-hmm. So so that's the underpin. And for them, for the prices to come down, they would need to release that million barrels. But they've got lots of stuff they want to do with their own budgets and everything, which has to be funded purely by oil. So the likelihood that you see that happening, I think, is quite low. So this is something we're going to have to get used to. Unless, of course, that much telegraphed um, recession does come in, demand falls through the bottom, um, and, then, and then the price comes down.
0: Mm. So if you want exposure to oil, maybe, Cecil, not the best way to go about it, maybe more offshore players?
1: Mm-hmm. It, feels, it feels more directly, the offshore players, but yeah. there's an additional dynamic that I think that's quite important to, to look at here, and that is the lack of refinery capacity. Um th- Through COVID, a lot of old refineries were shut down and they never came back. So the ability to produce diesel out of crude has diminished considerably across the board. And Russia as well says they don't want to export more refined um, refined um, diesel, so to speak. And, and that's an underpin on the retail price. So for us, it, it's going to come to bite us in a number of ways. Food inflation, because that diesel goes into agriculture mm. and into transport as well. Um, So so the food inflation rises, aggregate inflation rises as well. So that gives us a bit of a fix. So what you really want, um, rather than saying I'm playing the oil price or anything, is to play people who have pricing power, um, who are pretty dominant in their industries, who can pass these things on, or manage it from an efficiency perspective. And I think that's the cycle that we're going to go through over the short to medium term.
0: Ah, yeah. That really paints a worrying picture on inflation mm-hmm. because, I mean, we had seen uh, those food, uh, that food inflation going down. So it's going to be quite interesting to see uh, the dynamics mm-hmm. that play out there in the next couple of months. Let's go to a very technical question, and that mm-hmm. is on uh, Richmond SA options. Uh, so the... OK, so let me read out what the viewer has sent, mm-hmm. and then I'll read out the question as well. So uh, it's on an option, a Richemont option. So the majority, the maturity date is November the 23rd. Uh, the price is 6.7 Swiss franc. 67 warrant receipts can buy one Richemont. The exercise mm-hmm. price of a warrant receipt is 0.67 Swiss franc converted into rand at Swiss franc exchange rate at maturity. It is a European call option. If Richmond's share price is below uh, 6.7 Swiss franc on expiry date in November 23, then it is worthless. Um, So the question is, the option expires in November 2023. How do I exercise the option or how do I get the shares? Very technical. I'm not the expert.
1: So I'll, 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 give, I'll give the listener, um, the, the, the viewer a little bit of background. So these were listed a couple of years ago around yeah. the time of the, of the crisis. Um, and that was Rupert's way of saying, I want to reward lower holders. Um, and, and they were listed on the stock exchange. They did very well. They went sideways are quite volatile because, as he says, they are call options with a single exercise date. Now, that single exercise date has come and that's November this year. And you have to compare. So you haven't paid the premium, um, th- because the shares were awarded to you as a shareholder. Um, the documentation and everything, I think, will be sent out pretty shortly um, that clarifies exactly how to exercise and all of that. So I won't get into that detail, but he's absolutely right. It's a European call option. After exercise date, that's the end of that instrument. If it's in the money, then you've done well. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you've done well and the intrinsic value will be realized and you'll be able to pay up. To, you, you'll pay the um, the exercise price and get your Richmond shares. If it doesn't, the thing walks away and it was, it was what it is. One thing you can do is you can still sell these options in the market for whatever price. If you don't want to take the chance, you have to have a view as to how close that price, the Richmond price on that date, will be to the exercise price. I think that's, that, that would be a broad way of thinking about that.
0: Ah, All right. And uh, I'm sure the viewer got a little bit of clarity on that. Uh, let's mm-hmm. go on to transaction capital. Uh, the question is, what's your view on transaction capital? Um, at first, Roy, <laughs> it seemed like quite a polarizing mm-hmm. stock. Uh, now I, I just feel like the sentiment is more negative. And I'm wondering if it's just retail investors that are in that stock right now.
1: Well, the thing is there's been a lot of bad news. Um the, there was the whole fear about the director selling in December, the trading update, the stories about SA taxis and now that the CEO has left. So 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 you haven't seen anything positive come out. And the trading update comes out and it's worse than it was expected, yeah. than was than was previously guided. So there's a lot of negative news around it and people worry. And this is the problem with stocks that have a lot of leverage in them. Um because you have really no fallback. There's all of that debt, it's not clear. I mean, they've made it very clear that there are no cross guarantees and everything, but I assure you when there's this much negativity around a stock, it's very difficult. You need you, you need the market to get um, a lot of solid points, solid updates for people's confidence to come back. Mm-hmm. The doubts are there. The, the viability of that SA taxi business is not clear. Um, and how that business model has to change. And on We Buy Cars, we, I mean, like we, we, we know the used car market has probably rolled over. So I think in summary, the feel here is that that negative sentiment is hanging on. I mean, it's really, really sold off. Um, it's as low as it's been for a long time, but I think investors must disengage themselves from thinking just because the price has come down this much, it can't go any lower.
0: Hmm. i don 't know like a lot of people are also just attached to the history of this company um, uh-huh. I mean just the fact that it was basically built on this uh, taxi business, but now it 's that business mm-hmm. that 's suffering the most, and some are worried that mm-hmm. it might take away now from these other mm-hmm viable businesses that they're running i mean just the fact that the cause under so much trouble does that not instill Mm -hmm. a lot of worry and also would there be an option to kind of separate SA taxi from the other businesses
1: well the thing is there's a loss of confidence in the business and management without a doubt and they have their work cut out to build to build this back From an investor perspective, it's quite clear the narrative has changed Mm -hmm. and people need to disengage themselves from the previous narrative and ask themselves whether the current narrative is fair or is overreacting. So -hmm. far, it looks like the votes say that um, it is fair and that's why the share price has been coming down. The astute investor will do a bit of work and and really kick the tires, pardon the pun, Mm to see to see just how far down it can go, but the management has a lot of work here in terms of winning back investor confidence, um, and and I think well I guess the change in CEO and all of that is part of that process.
0: Mm, all right, well we will see mm. what they turn out uh, for the next couple of months. Um, there's a an interesting one here. Is it a good time to buy copper 360? Uh, it's quite interesting, uh, Roy. That. <laughs> All the investors are very bullish on copper, but Mm -hmm. you guys haven't really paid much attention to (laughs) copper 360 that listed on the JSC, I think in the first quarter of this year. What is the problem? uh (laughs)
1: Look, this is one of those narratives and narrative stocks. So I know nothing about copper 360. (laughs) And, and, and and you're right. Maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's worth doing a little bit of work on this. But again, I keep cautioning investors. Narratives are not everything. You Mm. need to kick the tires. You need to understand the numbers. You need to know what the story is. Don't, Don't just see copper doing really well from uh, renewables and everything and say this is the exposure ask yourself really what are you actually buying buying into and and on that basis make an informed decision but, but like i said mm-hmm. i that, this is that's not my world
0: well i mean just with copper would you be going for mm-hmm. a miner that just has copper or would you be going for mm-hmm. copper but that is within a complex mm-hmm. of diversification with other metals?
1: So, so copper has always been an indicator of growing investment, um, growing industrialization. Uh, and now it's it's a big player in in renewable, in, in, in the whole just transition and all of that. So that's what makes it incredibly um, attractive to investors. The fact that there's not enough, that the price has to reset and everything. But very similar to the the, the the platinum group metals, you you really have to have done your work to commit yourself to an entry point, to an entry price. Um, most investors would rather invest through uh, a diversified miner that has a variety of others that allows you to play, to have multiple bites at the cherry. So you could have coal for energy, copper for the transition or something like that. And, and PGMs and everything. That's probably the safer way. Um, For those who know, for those who understand that copper market really well, um, then they they, they would have an edge in deciding when to go in and when to go out. But I think for the average investor, for you and I, if it's resources you're looking for, look for a more diversified play and hope that the cycle doesn't hit all those commodities equally as hard.
0: All right. Uh, Roy, I don't know if you uh, watch this stock a uh, small one. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was unbundled from PSG. CA Sales yes. uh, FM FM uh, CG uh, distributor. Do you look at it?
1: Um, vaguely. Um, yeah. What? 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 So, what's so yeah. Question?
0: So, is is CA Sales mm-hmm. a stock to watch?
1: <laughs> a stock to watch for sure. Um, yeah. I think the, the 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 management team that started this business was well proven when they ran. A separate business that did exactly the same thing in the old imperial groups so i think when their lockups ended up they came out and and PSG funded them to start this this business and when when i look at the results historically you've been seeing good turnover growth widening margins um and an expanding presence in southern africa it's not a pure SA Play. It's based in South Africa, but they do a lot of business in Namibia and places such as those in FMCG. So it's definitely one one worth watching. Um, like I said, highly credible management team with a business model that, that is well proven and they're well funded. So, I mean, I don't know whether it's a buy or sell, but I yeah. think it's well worth watching
0: uh all right uh, roy i'm gonna mm-hmm. ask you about a rugby pick there was a viewer who asked us politely uh, to ask the guests for uh-huh. your rugby world cup winner picks <laughs> for the upcoming <laughs> matches during that particular week uh, and since it's a friday and you're wearing your Boca jersey i'm going to ask you about that but first let's get to your stock pick for today
1: <laughs> my stock pick for today is breakfast. um So, so Bidvest has this reputation of being a barometer of the South African economy. But one of the things that we've seen in recent results is the nicely positioned within the economy to capture those parts that are failing for other people. So the ports, um, they're also in renewable energy and a variety of all those others. They've also expanded their footprint outside and recently they announced um, an expansion of the Australian business. The European business is doing pretty well, as well as the UK. So it's a nice balance between the growing areas of SA Inc and a diversifier externally. It's much more expensive than your average SA Inc stock, but there's a reason for that. The diversification, the solid balance sheet and this very strong um, strategic focus on global growing globally, I think will stand them in good stead. And also a very solid management team that that, that, that tends to win more than they lose. So that that would be my stock pick for today.
0: Ah, all right, and your rugby pick mm-hmm. for today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, the bocker, always.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love it. Very, very patriotic of you. Thank you so much for your time and for your analysis today. Roy, appreciate it. That was Roy Mutooni from Sunlam Investments.